Wednesday, April 11th, 2018, marked the fifth anniversary of unpublishedottawa.com, Canada's only social media website dedicated to current affairs and to providing a digital platform for Canadians to publish and share their ideas and opinions on current affairs with friends, family, colleagues, and interested Canadians. Founder James O'Grady and everyone here at Unpublished Ottawa would like to thank our loyal followers for using and sharing posts to Unpublished Ottawa and for participating regularly in the discussions that take place on our web pages and our social media channels. We hope you enjoy today's podcast on technology and the data privacy in the age of social media. out there has your personal information the darker side of that is what are they doing with it welcome to the unpublished cafe for unpublished ottawa i'm at hand 87 million people around the world have seen their personal information scooped up unknowingly to them through facebook and of the 87 million more than 620,000 canadians are impacted according to facebook's ceo mark zuckerberg since the company acknowledged that some of your information may have been exposed in the Cambridge Analytica scandal, the social media titan has seen its share price drop dramatically and has sparked a movement of Facebook users to delete their account. A just-released Ipsos Read poll finds that two-thirds of Canadians don't trust Facebook to protect their private information. One billion people on this planet are on Facebook, which shows how prevalent it's become. And for the social media giant, this is the largest scandal it's faced in its 14-year existence. Several class action lawsuits have been filed against Facebook, with more likely to come. Earlier this week, Facebook began to notify users who had their information compromised. The company, it is said, may have initially been misled, but failed to act responsibly to protect the data that it knew was snatched up by Cambridge Analytica, which is reported to have used it to target voters in the 2016 U.S. election. Today on the Unpublished Cafe, we'll dig around the edges of the issue and see if this is just a one-off incident or just the first wave of the tsunami. Michael Geist holds the Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the University of Ottawa Faculty of Law, and he joins us this afternoon. Thank you for joining us, Michael. Oh, thanks for having me. From your perspective in terms of Facebook and social media, was this breach a perfect storm of incidents or, or something that you felt was inevitable? I think a lot of people have been have been seeing this coming for some time. And I think it's notable that I don't know this necessarily fair to call it a breach in many respects. A lot of the data and a lot of the business models that we've seen is the system working as at least at the time it was designed to work. In fact, if we go back now almost 10 years, there were complaints launched, including by the clinic at the University of Ottawa, against a number of Facebook practices. And much of the concern at the time had to do with what third parties, apps and others, might do with the information they were able to gather through Facebook. Over the years, that increased over time, and I think the result is what we've now seen, uh, where we see uh, you know significant misuse of the data uh, and increasing calls for new regulation. You know, we've heard uh, all about protecting our personal information. We all know about identity theft. So, so why do the people who feel or have been compromised feel they've been wronged when they put it out there in the first place? Well, I think part of it is that if we take a look at the way the data has been used, both was accessed and used, is I think they have been wronged. When people put their information forward, posting it on Facebook or on any other social media, they are still doing it within the, the confines of a user agreement. And we can get into the question as to whether or not that 
provides a sufficient level of protection, knowing that a lot of people don't take the time to read some of those detailed agreements. But a lot of people do at least adjust some of their privacy settings, trying to determine under what circumstances am I comfortable with this information being used. And what I think we're seeing in the Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica case is that there are instances where that data is being used in ways that people did not anticipate. And so I don't think that it, I don't think it's fair to say that people agreed to have their information in certain instances used in the way that it was. Can, can the terms of use of, of social media companies be too confusing for some people? And that might have led to part of this problem? Well, I think that's part of the problem. It's a difficult issue to solve, though, and I think we Zuckerberg even referred to it when he appeared before uh, U.S. Congress, and that is, on the one hand, if we simplify these agreements down to down to a level that, that will be more readily understood and perhaps uh, people may take more time to read it, then we may also lose, in doing so, people become more aware of sort of at a high level what's taking place, but you don't get into the granularity because that kind of detail, you know, leads to people kind of glossing over at the eyes and and stopping to follow along. Uh, And so I think there is a problem between, on the one hand, trying to simplify these agreements to the point that they are more understandable, and at the same time providing sufficient level of of detail so that people understand what in fact is happening with their information. And it's a very tough balance to strike, which I think for a lot of people suggests why a better approach is to establish some kinds of limitations in law so that these aren't subject to agreements that people either can't understand or don't bother to read um, because either they're too complex or too simple or it just doesn't make rational sense for someone who engages with dozens or hundreds of websites and services every day, and that's practically everyone, to take the time to read every single user agreement to understand how their information might be used. What kind of limitations? Well, I think there are there are limitations, certainly in terms of a, the kind of consents that we provide. And so part of the problem has been that a lot of services, and this isn't a Facebook-only issue, this could apply to almost anyone, have been very content to what is viewed as opt-out type systems, systems in which companies assume that they're entitled to use your information uh, unless you take the proactive step to opt out. That's something that simply doesn't happen at this point in time. People oftentimes don't take that time to opt out, and very often it leads to the presumption by companies that they can use your information for a whole series of reasons that many people, I don't think, if, if fully informed, would agree to. And so one thing that we can do is to step in and make a clear requirement that it be an informed opt-in consent, which would force companies to be far more direct about what they're doing with your information, obtain real consents for it, and would likely discourage some companies from, in a sense, saying, we, we can do absolutely anything we want with your data, um, because they'll know that people are, are a bit better informed about it and might establish some real limitations around it. Uh, data mining, does it have a place? Well, I think there's a lot of value behind data, unquestionably. Um, I think we, we often recognize, and many recognize, that you know whether we're talking about smart cities or smart services or a range of different things, the more data we have, the smarter we can get. And, of course, there is, is great value in accumulating some of that data. Um, there is the danger, however, of misuse. And one of the issues that, that, that did come up as well during the Zuckerberg hearing is, is bias in the system, instances where when you accumulate something, of that data, do you begin to engage in different kinds of bias, the sort of things that oftentimes in a pre 
big data world, we would have said, well, that's not permissible. You can't discriminate against someone in terms of information that you provide or the offers that you make. Uh, and yet, of course, big data really allows for some of those kinds of activities to take place. And we've only begun to scratch the surface in trying to determine how we set appropriate rules of the road. I will say that, that for a long time, the view is, well, hands-off approach is the right approach. We don't need government getting involved. And it's pretty clear that um, the tide is shifting in this regard. I think that it's not that we, we want or should want government to come in to regulate all kinds of things, but at the same time, um, establishing some more clear-cut rules of the road, recognizing that there are enormous benefits to social media, to big data collection, but there are also risks, privacy risks, security risks, intellectual property risks, uh, and we need to grapple with some of those, perhaps in a more serious way than we have in the past. Michael Geist is joining us on the Unpublished Cat. He holds a Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the University of Ottawa, and we're discussing the Facebook data data breach and uh, Cambridge Analytica. And, and Michael, it's a global economy, and as we've seen with this incident, the U.S., Canada, Britain are linked through company subsidiaries of Cambridge Analytica, but each of these countries could have different policies and codes of conduct regarding the use of that data. Did you feel we could use some kind of a standard across the Internet that everyone adheres to? That's a good question. Uh, I think I'd start by saying, in fact, we do have some general principles that are are fairly widely held. Um, I'll say that the U.S. oftentimes is a bit of an outlier when it comes to privacy. So they're, they're the one major jurisdiction, if we were to think of OECD countries or um, so the most developed countries around the world that, that Canada would think of when they think of peer countries. The U.S. is sort of the one country that, that doesn't have a broad-based set of privacy rules. I mean, the U.S. approaches tended to be um, as long as companies do what they they promise, so they put if you put something in a privacy policy, you have to live by it. Uh, but as long as as you've done that, that's typically good enough, with a few exceptions for some specific privacy measures. Most other countries, um, including of course Canada, Europe, and some of the leading Asian countries, do have privacy legislation, and it tends to be largely based on the same principles. Now the implementations are different, and um, once you start getting into those implementations, you do see sufficiently important differences that that we do need to think about. How do we ensure that everybody enjoys, you know, certainly baseline level of privacy protection? And I'd I'd actually try to raise that baseline if you know if I had my druthers. But um, there are fair what are known as fair information practices that are generally accepted in a lot of countries. What we've seen over the last couple of years is Europe has really tried to push that. Uh, by increasing both the standard of consent and some of the other rights that uh, consumers and users have. Canada has tended to be a bit more of a, on the, a middle ground, I, I suppose, uh, although there is, of course, now I think growing pressure for Canada and many other countries to take a look at that European model and uh, increase the level of privacy protection that um, their citizens enjoy. You know, data is, is a product these days. Hard to believe, but uh, I, I wonder in terms of trade agreements between countries, would that come into, into whether it be a Trans-Pacific Partnership or, or a NAFTA under, under renegotiate, would that uh, be something that would be uh, looked at? It has, and in fact, uh, I, I don't think the news is that good in that regard. Um, you're right, data is is a valuable commodity, and it now, we now find that it enters into some of these trade agreements. And there is a real issue there, uh, because on the one hand, 
we, you know, I think that there is an acceptance in many countries that an open internet um, is, is is the kind of policy that we ought to be supporting. That's that includes, of course, net neutrality, of which our government's been a strong supporter, and we see strong support for it really now around the globe. I suppose again, with the exception of the U.S., which is retrenching a bit in that regard. But generally speaking, open internet principles are, are, are really worth supporting. And so when it comes to bringing data into trade agreements. There is often this notion of, okay, we want to ensure that data can move freely across borders because that's consistent with a, an open Internet approach. At the same time, mandating that data move effortlessly across borders or there can't be any restrictions on where the data is stored raises potential privacy and security concerns. So if you've got a country, say Canada, that wants to ensure that either the data be stored in Canada so the Canadian privacy rules uh, are, are in effect or want to try to establish certain safeguards on that information and so may want to establish some restrictions on the transfer of certain data outside the country, uh, that might well be consistent with having strong privacy or security rules. And so there's a tension there between, on the one hand, supporting an open internet and on the other, um, ensuring that privacy, security, and perhaps other innovation policies are supported. We've already seen these kinds of provisions inserted into trade agreements like the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and it's likely to appear in a renegotiated NAFTA agreement as well. And for the moment, the, the ability to create privacy and security safeguards may be lost as part of those agreements. And so there is a real need, I think, to take a bit of a step back uh, as we look at these provisions in trade agreements, make sure that they're really reflecting our policy interests and where we want to try to support open Internet policies in those trade agreements, ensure that, that Canada and any other country still has some of the core policy rights when it comes to things like safeguarding user privacy or ensuring there are effective security measures in place. Michael, I, I wonder, this is obviously about Facebook and, and its information, the data, data breach. I'm wondering if, if there was tighter regulation brought in, if it would cool off perhaps the the technical developers who are looking at the next form of social media, and they might look at this as a cautionary tale and say, we might back off from something like that because there's too many questions. No, I don't really think so. Um, you know, it seems to me that there is, um, you know, developers and others will play within the sandbox however it's drawn. And there are great opportunities, and there's great things about these services. And so um, as we see some of these newer services uh, come to market, if the part of the requirement is to uh, meet certain regulatory standards, then I would expect that those companies would do that. Um, and so I, I don't know that this is necessarily foreclosing new kinds of innovation. Um, I think that you know the, the reality is services like Facebook and others have had to comply with the rules as they stand, however they stand. And um, you know it's crucial that we ensure that those rules remain effective and relevant uh, as we gain, gain a greater appreciation both for the great benefits of these technologies but also some of the risks. Michael, I want to thank you for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Michael Geist holds the Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the University of Ottawa's Faculty of Law. When it comes to privacy in Canada, there's two regulations which govern. The Privacy Act, which applies to the federal public sector, and the Personal Information Protection and Electronic Documents Act, which applies to commercial activities and covers political parties. Steve Anderson is the co-founder and chief strategist for New Mode, a values-based enterprise that provides targeted online engagement tools 
Steve also founded and led the award-winning international civic engagement organization Open Media to use the network power of the open internet to protect the open internet. And Steve joins us from Britain. Steve, first off, you're in the UK. How's this Facebook Cambridge Analytica story been received by the public over there? Um, very, very critically. Um, I, I was just at a conference about um, di- dig- speaking at a conference about kind of digital campaigning, and it was a pretty hot topic. And and you know, people were talking about you know, should we refuse to engage with Facebook, which is a a pretty big um, I- idea because you know. People who are trying to engage the public in campaigns, Facebook is a really important tool for that. So, yeah, and I think that's generally um, kind of the sense here is people are are fairly in, enraged and critical. I think even more so than than Canada because um, I, I think there are already some more of a kind of critical outlook on Facebook over here, and and uh, they're kind of moving forward on on pretty strong uh, European-wide privacy legislation called the GDPR. And so this was just kind of like a, almost like a nail in the coffin for a lot of people. And now two days of uh, grilling for Mark Zuckerberg over the data breach. And he, he's against regulating the Internet, he mentioned, but he does concede he does expect it. Do you? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, so in, in, the, in, in Europe, in the kind of whole... EU, there's going to be um, kind of privacy protection um, rules coming in. Um, I think it's May 25th that they'll be um, implemented. So that it's already it's already happening here, and and um, and I think uh, you know we're already seeing the Canadian Privacy Commissioner um, calling for s- some fairly similar um, kind of privacy protection rules in in Canada. So I think it's a matter of time. It's just you know will. A, a big question is kind of will the U.S. Um, um, move to kind of put some some rules in place or, or will it just be kind of a bit more piecemeal outside of there? So what would a regulated Internet look like to you? Yeah, well, I, I think that it's, it, you know, I, I, I think it's less of kind of a, a regulated Internet and more of kind of basic um, privacy um, pr- protections. Um, and so I, ideally that, that looks like people, um, being empowered to be able to liberate their data from these services if they want to download everything and, and move on. Um, and, and I think more transparency, like what exactly, um, what data is being used and how is it being, how they're being used. And a, a big one for me is, um, rules that basically stipulate that, um, Facebook and others have to inform people um, when, when their data has been accessed by a third party, um, and when they've been, you know, exposed to kind of manipulative content or, or, um, or bots. Um, I think that's a, that's a really big one because, you know, even now, like the, the people who have been swept up in Cambridge Analytica's kind of, uh, data, data sweep, um, or who have been, you know, exposed to manipulative content, um, by bots or otherwise, um, that they, they haven't been informed. And I think that's a basic requirement. And I, I wish Facebook would just do that on, on, on their own. But uh, if they won't, then I think that we, we definitely need some uh, government rules in place. In terms of the data breach, from your perspective, where does the blame lie? Um, I mean, I, I think that there, there's a, f- a few 
areas to put some blame. I think that there is some blame on, on kind of uh, individual users. I, I think that um, we should all be a little bit more careful with the kind of applications that we interact with and, and be a bit more critical of that. Um, I think most of the blame um, it should be laid on, on Facebook um, because, I mean, for one thing, like they – they were aware of this kind of thing. Like this is not like a, a mistake. This is, it, this is more or less their business model. Um, and so, uh, and I think it's, it's kind of, there's, there's no way to really justify that stuff. So I think they deserve most of the blame. And I think they certainly deserve some of the blame for not revealing that this happened, you know, until they got, until it was exposed, you know, and blown up in the media. Um, so they've known about this for at least two years. Um, and they're very slow to kind of respond and, and admit to what's going on and only did so when they were more or less forced to. And then, you know, certainly Cambridge Analytica seems like they um, are, are, are crossing a number of ethical boundaries and the, and the researchers involved with that as well. So I think that there's blame to go around in many different directions. And I guess the, the last thing I would say is, I think our, our kind of, you know, government decision makers and regulators um, certainly should have seen this coming and have, uh, have kind of put forward rules that would, would you know, pr protect us. Um, and, you know, they will now, but it's kind of a little bit too late, obviously. And a number of kind of privacy advocates um, have, have told, you know, legislators that they need to move on this, including myself, um, for, for some time now. And, you know, I, for various reasons, you know, whether it's kind of just not understanding the technology enough to um, kind of being, you know, pushed by lobbyists to kind of stand down, they, they haven't uh, moved on this. And, you know, now a number of people have been exposed to manip manipulative content or have had their, their data swept up in this way. Steve Anderson is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. He's the co-founder and chief strategist for New Mode, a values-based enterprise that provides targeted online engagement tools. As well, he founded Open Media. And here in Canada, Steve, the Personal Information Protection and Electronic Documents Act covers political parties and commercial entities. And, you know, from your perspective, why does the government feel that these should not fall under the Privacy Act? Um, I, I mean, I, I, I think that... Yeah, I think the PETA um, it, it is the kind of the way that they've kind of laid this stuff out in terms of commercial providers. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong. Um, I think that that's the kind of framework they've been using. I think it's just that they, um, within the kind of legislative framework that we have, they haven't added the, the, the protections that, that we need in terms of consent and, and, and data sharing and and, and I think now kind of looking at, at things like bots. So I, I don't think it's that the whole framework is problematic. I just think that they haven't put in the, the, the strong enough safeguards um, for, for these particular items. And what kind of safeguards would you like to see? Um, well, I, kind of the stuff that I was mentioning earlier, like um, th there should be kind of a, a, a basic kind of, you know, ability for um, – for users to be able to access their data and to be made aware of um, where their data is going. And so I think there needs to be some stipulation and legislation along, along those lines. Um, 
uh, and and I think that there should be some some clear limitations on what data can be shared and how long data can be stored and and, and something along the lines of um, what we're seeing in Europe, where you know collection of data should be tied to um, you know a reasonable use of that data. So if you're just collecting it um, because you can, um, I think that, that that's a problem because you know that this data as we've seen like can, can fall into the wrong hand so there should be a reason um why you're connecting this data and and, and you should be able to kind of demonstrate what, what that reason is um because some of the stuff like you know like facebook has been called out recently for um their a service that they want to launch that is um their messenger app but for for children um and um, and sort of when they were called out on that, um, you know, like the dangers of that and, and kind of exposing children to commercial content and all of that, um, they were asked, like, are you collecting any information on those children that you, that you don't need? Um, and they said, well, you know, we have to look at all of, their, all of these children's messages and all of the content of their communications in order to operate the service. And I think that's just not true. Um, and that's where, you know, Zuckerberg and Facebook, I think are really kind of crossing ethical lines. And, and, you know, I, I, I think that's basically lying and it's just that their business model is to collect as much data as possible as possible and to enable kind of whatever entities want to use that to persuade and target people to, to use that data for those purposes. And, and I think that, that whole business model is kind of coming under question. And I, I don't think that it is fundamentally illegitimate, but I think that we need some, some basic kind of limitations and restrictions on that. Yeah, and and, and uh, let's just talk about new mode for a second. It's described as a values-based enterprise that provides targeted online engagement tools. And, and I, we talk about the collected data and in terms of the values that you have, it could be different than maybe a political party or, or another company. And do you think that might be the problem is, you know, yep. some are using it because they have the values and are telling people they have the values. Others are just saying, we're going to use it. You mean in terms of Facebook or? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah well, I, I, I think with, with Facebook, they, I mean, they're claiming that their, their sort of values as a company is to um, connect people and build community. Um, but I think that that is a very loose concept um, and can be interpreted in different ways. Um, and I think that they're, that's the value that they say to the public, but I think the value that they are, are committing to, to, to shareholders and, and, and others is to, is to make as much profit as possible. So I think that is the, is the, the basic problem. Like the, I think they should kind of have much more clear values in terms of, um, kind of user empowerment and and the kind of content that they will allow on their on their platform, and then they need to show how they're enforcing um, those values. So, and I, and I think that they need to have kind of you know terms of service that um, that limit kind of uh, you know bots and manipulative content and and other kind of you know extreme use of of, of data. So, you know, I think that, and then I also think it's kind of, you know, they're a big enough company and have enough resources that they just need to 
kind of commit to some sort of responsibility around this stuff. Um, because, you know, they kind of, when people have called them out for some of this stuff and some of the abusive content, um, they, they basically like haven't put the resources in place to make sure that people are, protect, are, are safe on their platform. And, you know, hopefully that's changing now with the, cause I think there's a, a real economic and regulatory cost coming in now. Um, but you know, I, I think that they have, you know, lost the trust of the public. And so it will be interesting to see if, you know, a, another service provider comes along that has, you know, trust built into their platform and values more strongly put into their platform that, that can provide a service uh, that, is, that is an alternative to Facebook. Steve, I want to thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Steve Anderson is the co-founder of New Mode as well as Open Media. He joined us from the UK to give us more perspective on Canada's digital privacy laws, which are fairly toothless when it comes to forcing political parties to comply. Even the privacy commissioner's hands are tied when dealing with a breach by a political party. Daniel Tarrion, the privacy commissioner, was invited on the podcast, but was not doing any interviews until his report on the breach is released. As well, Navdeep Baines, Minister of Innovation, Science and Economic Development, was invited, along with conservative critic for the portfolio, Maxime Bernier. Both declined. I want to thank Steve and Michael for joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. For Unpublished Ottawa, I'm Ed Hand.